is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Dealer News Today, the award-winning podcast talking all things automotive dealership. Hey, I appreciate you being here. Make sure you follow the show on Instagram at Dealer News Today. And of course, for past episodes and a lot more, head over to DealerNewsToday.com. I am your host, Derek D, DerekD.com, for more information about who I am, if you'd like to know. But enough about me. Let's get to our guest. He's the president and CEO of Number One Cochran. Folks, please welcome Rob Cochran to the show. Hey, it's great to be with everybody today. Looking forward to a great discussion. Absolutely, Rob. Appreciate you coming on Dealer News today. Uh, Rob, where are you originally from? I'm born and raised in Pittsburgh, uh, so I've been here my whole life. I uh, I didn't even leave for college. I went just down the street to Carnegie Mellon, so it was my... My kids would tell me I, you know, I've, I've lived a somewhat sheltered life, but I'm happy with happy the way it's worked out, and uh, you know, love love Pittsburgh, love the town. Yeah, well, I'd say you're doing pretty well for yourself. Uh, you love Pittsburgh. You a Pittsburgh Steelers fan? I am. When you, when you're in Pittsburgh, you have to be a Pittsburgh fan. So that that goes with the territory. Yeah, that checks out. We've got a lot. We historically we've had a lot to cheer about, so we've been blessed. That is true. What do you feel about uh? Roethlisberger retiring. Well, they're going to need to figure out what to do next, right? The, you know, <laughs> it's uh, they got to get somebody, somebody in there, and um, I, you know, I, I don't know what the plans are. I, I, I suspect something over the next uh, thirty or sixty days will emerge. But uh, we're always hopeful. One, you know, the, the team's always, <laughs> the team is generally always competitive. We, you know, we've yeah, not for sure had to go through any downturns, significant downturns over the last. 25 years so people around here are a bit spoiled and um you know we'll we'll see, we'll see how it goes but we're, we're still optimistic hey i hear you i'm a giant fan so you know i feel you on that uh we're in that rebuilding phase as well you know both our teams are pretty much but anyway this isn't a football podcast we're here to talk about you rob cochran of number one cochran a very successful automotive group uh when when did it start what year the company uh started in 1965 oh wow 65 um as a the company started in 1965 as a uh, my father who was at the time a sales manager uh, general manager for a small Pontiac dealership purchased the dealership upon the um, the founders the original owners passing and um, that's where it all started uh, we were in a little little steel town uh, North Braddock which is on the outskirts of Pittsburgh. And uh, a couple of years after that, moved into um, what was a you know what was a growing area, uh, and that that Monroeville area is still our headquarters. And then over over the next forty years, forty five years, uh, you know, just a lot of continued growth. Uh, my involvement came in the late eighties, uh, so I'm not sure what the ninety one date was, but I I got involved out of school in the late eighties and. Um, and my father became ill in the early 90s. And so there was a, trans- a quick transition at that point. Oh, OK. Gotcha. So you came on board in the 80s after college and you went to you said you went to a local college, right? Yes, I, I was a Carnegie Mellon. Uh, I was actually a math major, an applied math major to Carnegie Mellon. So it's an interesting, uh, <laughs> yeah. interesting backdrop, interesting backdrop for the auto business. But it was good. It was really good for me. Um, a lot of leadership and, uh, you know, management and those types of things. And uh, got involved, and I graduated in, in '87. So in the last, the latter, you know, the last couple of years of the '80s, I was, 
I was involved and we were already in transition um, with relocations and such um, during that period of time. Were you always a a car guy or always a car person or did you just kind of fall in love with the business side of the automotive industry or did you always love cars, have cars? What's the story there? Yeah, that's that's an easy one to answer. Uh, I, I am not a car guy. I, I don't think I ever was a car guy. And I don't think I ever will be a car guy. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not that enamored with any of the product specs. Um, That's always funny I, to me how that, how that works. <laughs> I'm not really enamored with any product specs, with any product, right? I'm just, I'm yeah. not that, I don't get that into those things. I, To me, it's the, it's the process of building something, right. of, of connecting with customers, of building a brand of creating a culture internally and of continually improving that. That's where the, that's where the joy, that's where the joy of the business is for me. It's not in, it's not in what we're actually selling. Um, yeah. It's in how we're selling, selling it and how we're delivering it and how we're improving upon that. Right. So you love the, the, the industry aspect of it all, the business aspect of it all. And that kind of makes sense. I mean, coming from a, a math major, I guess. I mean, do, do you love math? Do you love crunching numbers and things like that? Well, I, you know, I, I'm good with numbers. I, I don't, I used to spend more time um, when I, when I first would get started, I would spend more time actually crunching, you know, you saying crunching the numbers. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've more, I've become more, I believe a student of leadership, uh, you know, an understanding of engagement with people and and empowering people and trying to understand what it is that we can do to help people develop and really creating a culture of development and empowerment that that's really my that's really my overarching role is to you know is to create an environment where we have really good people and they can grow and they're aligned around they're aligned we're all aligned around a, a common vision and a common purpose in connecting with our customers and, and delivering value. Um, so I think we've, we've made progress. And I think actually probably the less that I focused on details and numbers, the more effective I became yeah. in playing the role I really needed to play. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I talked to so many people on this show, you know, CEOs, president, you know, of, of multiple auto groups, and they all kind of say the same thing. It's like the number one uh, the, the, the most important thing is the people that you that you have and you that work for you and your 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 group, your family, you could even call it, you know, that's the number one priority and you take care of them. They take care of you. And that that positivity, you know, within work, when people come into a dealership, they see that, you know, they, oh, this person really enjoys their job. They do this well. And it's just a great environment to be in, especially when you're coming in to buy a car. Clearly, clearly, it, it, you know, the business starts and stops with people and um, there needs to be there's a lot of different groups that do it a lot of different ways. But yeah. one one common one common theme is is that is that, you know, the people that are having success, the groups that are having success, uh, at least in the long term, maybe not over a short term burst like what we've enjoyed more recently. But over the yeah. long term, those that have success are the ones that attract and retain uh, the highest quality people. And they do it kind of around a, a you know, a, a theme or a, a purpose of a, how their business is supposed to operate. Um, and when you have that alignment with good people, good things happen. Yeah. 
for sure. And you're based in PA. Is all your dealerships in in, in uh, Pennsylvania? Yes, everything we have right at this point uh, is within Western Pennsylvania. You know, in a fairly concentrated area from call it 30 miles south of Pittsburgh to 30 miles north. So a lot of rooftops, a lot of density, a lot of share in the market, dominant share in the market in, in, in this region, you know, all the, all the rooftops plus, plus nine independent collision repair facilities that uh, feed into it as well. How many, how many total, you know, I think it's 25 or maybe 26, you know, Uh, dealership facilities plus the nine independent collision facilities. So total facilities, we'd be in the mid thirties. Wow. So that's, that's a lot of businesses and how hands-on are you, do you visit almost all of them often or are you mainly like in one or two and that, that kind of thing? Like, how's that work? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's been, a lot of it's been certainly in the last few years, um, you know, a lot of it has evolved to virtual. Um, I, I'm yeah, hands on. I'm, I'm hands on in the in the nature of um, connecting with those that are driving the business on a regular basis um, and making sure that we're you know we're doing the things that we need to do and we're aligned around those things. Um, I, I you know do I have a I, I also you know to the point of getting around. I've I've uh, just over the last year I've gone through a process. We, we refer to them as roadmaps because we have a roadmap of kind of a, a vision, mission, uh, core values statement um, yeah. that I've sat down in in settings. And we've got 1,200 people, and um, and I committed a year ago or almost a year ago uh, to get around in groups of no more than 12 uh, because I wanted them to be intimate settings, no more yeah, that's than good. 12 uh meetings so that's a hundred meetings that's that's that was a big it was wow. the big endeavor uh and i've i'm probably because covid slowed us down there were times that we had to kind of shut it down those meetings we were probably two-thirds of the way through those um so i still have some work to do but they've been very rewarding and they again they, they you know they, they they connect the dots so to speak so i'm more focused on engagement with the people less focused on making sure I visit any one facility, if that makes sense. Yeah. That's probably most important anyway. You know, I mean, that's, you know, just, you know, like you said before, you know, meeting with the people and talking to your, your team. Um, I read something in, in 2013, you started the clearly better car buying, I guess, initiative, you could call it. Can you tell me about that, what it is and how it works? Well, this, so that was back in 2013, clearly better car buying was our first step uh, our first large step into transparency, um, and okay. really what that was all about at the time, which was, you know, it's not that long ago, but it seems like a long time ago. Um, it was, it was us putting our pricing up front, um, and putting it on the website, I, every product, every car vehicle that we had, uh, the price was displayed up front. And here's why we got to that. Uh, it was not. It was not one price. There would still be, um, you know, there was still some sense of negotiation uh, sure. with people that would have, you know, people had a competitive offer, or if, if you know they had something, you know, going on, or if there, you know, whatever it was, we we would consider other factors, but we we just we we wanted to move the, you know, 
evolve away from the traditional game. Um, and it really helped us. Um, and over the, you know, over the, the, you know, now the last nine years, we've gone through steps where now all of our, you know, even before the, you know, the huge restriction on supply that we're going through, um, three or four years ago, we moved to one price on all used cars. Uh, so our, our process is, it would be very similar from a transparency standpoint to any of the disruptors that are out there, um, you know, promoting the same type of experience. Uh, so we're proud of that. And uh, we, we've all, you know, certainly it's been easy to evolve now with new vehicles with where, where the inventory is to a similar process. So we're, we're yeah. big on transparency. Um, we're big on, you know, upfront and to me, transparency lends itself to, to a digital digital environment and a digital culture where people oh, can sure. choose to can, they can choose to do you know as much online as they want to they can come in but it's still the same it's still the same experience and i think from an industry standpoint we need to get there and from you know from our position at least in this market as the leader in the market um that's where our focus has been yeah absolutely i think so too you know it, it's it's a Interesting mix now, especially with COVID and everything. Not that you couldn't buy a car online or do a lot of things online before COVID, but it really forced that you know side of things, the the online side of things, really to to progress even faster. You know, get all that stuff done. You know, uh, online if you can get all that paperwork, a lot of that stuff done, and then go to the dealership just to get your car. Cut down that time of being in there. You know, sometimes you could be in the dealership for three, four hours doing all that stuff. And, you know, you could streamline that. And, you know, like you said, um, being transparent, that's that's key with any business, I think. But definitely when it comes to the car business, uh, you were talking about inventory. Uh, how is inventory looking for you right now? What, do, you, do you see it getting any better lately? Like, you know, because, you know, it's been rough. So wh- wh- where are you where are you guys at with inventory? Well, inventory has been tight. It, it remains tight. We've we've done a good job. Yeah, we've done a good job managing through it. Um, and we've, we've had good success, but it, you know, I don't, in some cases you see some, some light at the end of the tunnel. In other cases, it seems like it's getting a little tighter. Um, this, you know, this unfortunate situation, uh, with Ukraine and Russia, um, yeah. I don't think that's going to help. I mean, that's, if anything, that's going to create more, uh, more disruption to the supply chain, so um, yeah. they're, they're just throughout this process, there have been events that have occurred that have continually uh, delayed the, you know, the improvement of the supply chain and in some cases have restricted it further. So mm. I think we're I think for the you know, our thought is, you know, for the for all of 22, we'll likely be dealing with supply chain issues and potentially into 23, depending on what the global, what happens in the global situation. Yeah. It's, the 2020s have been crazy, huh? I mean, like every, around every corner, it's something new, but one of the craziest things I think is that, you know, when, when COVID first hit, no one knew what was going on, what this was, how bad it was, all this stuff. And people with businesses and all types of businesses were like, we, we don't know what the hell we're going to do. And the automotive industry was definitely like, what is going to happen and just how crazy the 2020s have been, you know, the automotive industry has been the most like profitable it's been in, in, in a decade. It t- took a total turn. And, you know, granted the, you know, the supply and demand issues that are out there. But, 
you know, it's, you know, the dealership world and, and the automotive industry is doing very well aside from inventory stuff. Yeah. It's been, you know, from our standpoint, you, you speak of that. We were, Pennsylvania was probably the most conservative state uh, from a governor to governance, governance standpoint with respect to, to the virus and, and COVID. We were mandated to be shut down. We were viewed, we were viewed from a sales operations standpoint as, as non-essential. Um, and so hmm. it was a six week period where we couldn't sell a vehicle. Um, yeah. Crazy. And, and, um, you know, we were doing some service, although, you know, there were a lot of concerns of people coming in for service. And so there was, there was great uncertainty from our standpoint as far as what, what was going to yeah. happen, how long we were going to be closed, you know, how to, how to deal with our, how to deal with our team members, you know, is this, is this a month? Is this six months? Is it a year and a half? And nobody really knew. Um, and so then yeah. we, we, then we became, you know, as we, we were able to get um, back into business online only for a period of time, and then being, being able to open the showrooms again, we recognize that people um, when they can't travel, and they can't spend their money like they're, you know, in, you know, there's certain areas with uh, and even restaurants going out and dining and things like that, that was restricted. So mm-hmm. I, I, you know, those people invested their money in their homes and their vehicles. And yeah, you especially see, with stimulus payments and stuff like that. Exactly. And so you see that you see the impact on real estate and on vehicles. And that's, you know, that's, that was, that's been a beneficiary of, of what we've gone through over the past few years. What's something, and we might've kind of touched on this already with what you said before, but what's something you're dealing with in the current automotive dealership climate that you think is very important for dealerships to adjust to? Like what's something that has either come up recently, like, Oh, everyone should do this. Well, I just, you know, I think that I think there's going to be constant adjustments, constant um, and I think that we need to stay light on our feet, um, whether it's with, uh, you know, electric vehicles and what that means and what that impact is down the road, uh, whether right. that is in the, the agreements with the, with the OEMs and, um, what they're trying to do and how, you know, how they're trying to get, you know, a piece of this omnichannel uh, experience and what that what that ultimate partnership looks like and operates like. Um, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of changes to our system, more changes to our system and the way that we need to operate than in any time that I can remember. Yeah, um, for sure. And and so I think the mindset that we have as we go forward has got to be nimble. Uh, and as I've said, we, we've got to stay light on our feet. Uh, yeah. that's one thing I preach to our people. We, you know, we don't know exactly how this is all, how all these shifts are going to play out. So we just need to acknowledge that, right. Acknowledge that there's yeah. more than one way of, you know, there, 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 there are various ways that these things could play and we need to be ready to pivot. Uh, to any, you know, any one solution as it becomes more apparent. Because right now it's still, there's, you know, you, we've got to stay connected to our customers. That's paramount. That's yeah, the number sure. one thing. Stay connected to our customers. And then, 
you know, be involved, be, be aware of all these shifts and, and be ready to pivot as the market continue, continues to change. Because you never know, especially in the 2020s, you don't know what's coming around the corner next. So you got to be, like you said, light on your feet, head on a swivel and be, be ready for any change or anything challenge that's that's thrown your way. Um, speaking of challenges, what's what's something that arose through the pandemic or the last few years that you could say that you acknowledged it, you adjusted for it and, you know, you, you, you kind of conquered it like a something that you haven't experienced obviously COVID and everything I get that but is there anything specifically so the 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 biggest challenge you know the three biggest changes if you will that we experienced um and we're not in a vacuum uh one was just the COVID uh (laughs) and the health issues themselves and and making sure that we were doing everything we needed to do for our customers and our team members and more more flexible you know more flexible work environments and uh, work from home and you know all those kind of things um the second thing is the is the inventory scenario that we've worked through and and getting more adept at selling out of the pipelines um and more adept at sharing inventory between stores uh, better managing and optimizing the logistics that, you know, so we're not, we don't want to be one that is just operating 25 individual stores that defeats the purpose of a that that de- yeah. defeats the purpose of expansion when you just continue to, to, to manage everything independently. So we're big on efficiency, scaled efficiencies, and we've worked to, 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 um, to you know, create more as we've gone through this period and then the final thing is back to the back to the uh, workplace, just recognizing both with new people coming into the workforce and with uh, a, a you know a seismic impact with COVID um, that that has people you know that 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 caused people to stop and pause and wonder right. you know what what it is that they want from their from their profession. Uh, that we we have to become more flexible, um, and and the industry and what we do has historically been not that flexible. So we've gotten better. Um, we've actually uh, we reduced our working hours at one point. Uh, you know, not long into the pandemic, we 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 clo- we, we uh, brought the you know the closing time down an hour and we've had good success with that and certainly good feedback from our team oh, members. Oh, that's interesting. That's yeah, cool. and we've we also have uh, more flexibility with work from home, uh, work from home, you know, environments. And as we get more into digital sales, I would suspect that there will be more people that will have more flexibility in what they're doing. So I think. You know, we've made some steps. I as we as we look as we look down the road, two, three, five years, we're going to need to continue to make more steps toward flexibility in the work environment, so we can we can be more effective in attracting a, a broader brush into our yeah. into our company. I, I think the auto industry historically has attracted a certain piece of the labor market, and mm-hmm. we need to attract a bigger piece of that labor market. And I think that. We, you know, with all all the opportunities we provide, we should be effective at being able to do that. Yeah, I think that's a great way to be. I mean, I I like that you, you like you adjusted obviously for, you know, COVID and dealing with all that stuff. But you said, hey, let's try this. Oh, and this works, and we'll keep this going forward, which I think is is pretty cool. 
Uh, one another question before we wrap this up: Do you find that um, there's some? Because I know you, you obviously multiple dealerships, multiple brands. With the inventory thing, are some brands easier to get? Like you're like, wow, it's a lot easier to get Fords right now than it is to get, you know, Chevys. Or is it just across the board all, you know, a, a tough situation? <laughs> it's challenging across the board. There have been some that have been, you know, easier. There have been some that have been not as uh, not as challenged uh, from our from our standpoint. But it's there it. It would be incorrect to say that there's, you know, that there have not been significant challenges with yeah. everybody. Yeah. Everybody's that. realizing significant challenges. And we've, you know, in certain cases, we, we've been the beneficiary of, of doing a, uh, a facility program, right? We just finished a facility program. So we, we were able to earn extra inventory with certain manufacturers oh, because, of, because of the timing of our facility program. So I'm not sure how much of of some of our benefits are are you know applicable to to a kind of a macro basis or is it just i think it's in some cases just a function of things that we were able to do at a given time uh right. to, to to optimize near-term inventory so we've had some of that uh but i i would say that for the most part all the oems are wrestling continuously with the supply chain issue gotcha yeah I, I i figured that i was just curious you know there's so many brands i wonder if some you know were not as you know were, were, were more accessible than others i did hear volvo was i don't know if you own any volvo dealerships but i heard like you know sweden never really stopped producing so it's kind of easier to get a volvo right now than it is other brands but i know i i'm i think across the board yeah it's pretty <laughs> it's 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 pretty tight um but yeah, anything else before we get going? This has been great. No, I, you know, it's a great, it's a great industry. I've been blessed. I've been blessed, you know, to be around a lot of good people, uh, both within our company and externally within the industry. I've met a lot of smart people that have helped me along the way. So uh, there is a fraternity. One of the things I like about this industry is that there's a fraternal feel to it. Um, and sure. we, we, keep, we keep improving. And I think as a collective body, um, you know, through things like this program, we people learn and there, there's a lot of, you know, most most dealers are in the kind of this continual continuous improvement mindset of how I can how I can keep getting better. And as we all keep getting better, we, we, we put a better product, uh, you know, we have a better uh, connection to our customers. And when we're doing that, we're uh, the industries, the industry is, is, you know, continues to move further ahead. And I think, I think we've seen that. And that's yeah. one of the things I, that's one of the things I'm proud of, of being a participated participant in the industry is just watching how it has evolved in the consumer's eyes. There's still some progress we can make. There's still improvement that we can make, but we've come a long way. So I'm proud of that. Yeah, you know, it, it, it sure has evolved, and you're right. There, it, it will always be evolving, and there will always be room for improvement, and that's a good way to be. Well, listen, Rob Cochran, congratulations on all your success. I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks so much. Really enjoyed it. Same here. That was Rob Cochran, the president and CEO of Number One Cochran, a very successful automotive group out in Western PA. For more information on them, head over to Cochran.com. That's C-O-C-H-R-A-N. And that'll do it for this episode. Follow DNT on Instagram 
at Dealer News Today. And you can listen to all the past episodes at DealerNewsToday.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Derek D, DerekD.com for all my stuff. Appreciate you listening, everybody. Until next time, this is Dealer News Today.